Welcome back to the Hemingway List podcast for Book 8, Chapter 6. Not sure if my microphone sounds okay, but I'm having to do a handheld thing because, well, right in the middle of moving house, and I don't have a desk to attach my microphone on. So it's like, I feel like I'm like camping, recording a podcast, although I am in a lounge room. Um, Anyway, sorry if there's any microphone noise. Should be all back to normal by tomorrow. Discussion prompts. It seems that every main character and most side characters are descending upon Moscow at the same time. What reunion are you most looking forward to? What new meeting are you most looking forward to? What did you make of the meeting between Natasha and Maya, and what do you think Maya was implying that Natasha should do? Do you agree with Natasha that Maya was speaking out of turn? Wait, did I miss something? I don't remember them meeting. Did they meet? I feel like I'm... Maybe I got the wrong discussion prompts. Anyway. Um, I've been wondering, says Warren Kovafififi, when Maya Dmitrievna would be showing up again. Oh, Maya. Oh, I'm thinking of um, Mary, you know, Bolkonsky. Maya Dmitrievna would show up again. She gave me the impression back at the Rostov's name day party that she'd be much more front and centre in this story, but I don't believe she's shown up since then. I really like her commanding and confident demeanour. I didn't really think... I didn't, you know, I didn't even realise that that was her. I remember her now from the the name day dinner. She was up at the head of the table and you know, she was the, the one that Natasha was brave enough to be cheeky to because she was so severe. Um, I didn't really think of it at first until the reading, the discussion prompt, but I'm wondering if all these characters convening in Moscow might be a build-up to something controversial. If I had to guess, I'm thinking it might be Natasha's reception with the Rostov family, namely old Bolkonsky. Since Andre's left, he's been quite the menace. If he's this awful to his own daughter, what's he going to do when his prospective daughter-in-law, whose marriage to his son has been against from the beginning walks through the door yeah and correct me if I'm mistaken but is her father sending her off to meet old man Bolkonsky and he's not going with her was that what happened in that chapter I can't imagine anything scarier for young Natasha twisted every way says I'm glad for Maya D's blunt manner Natasha is blinded by love and she needs to think rationally about what she's getting into. I'm looking forward to Mary and Natasha meeting. I want to know if they will like each other. Um, Yeah, Maya is a great character. Agreed. And I can't believe I didn't realise that that was the same person as way back in uh, in, uh, book one, I think. The Rostov's name day thing. It is book one. Anyway, let's continue on. Book Eight, chapter 7 goes like this next day by Maya Dmitrievna's advice Count Rostov took Natasha to call on Prince Nicholas Bolkonsky oh he is going with her that's good the Count did not set out cheerfully on this visit at heart he felt afraid he well remembered the last interview he had had with the old prince at the time of the enrolment when in reply to an invitation to dinner He had had to listen to an angry reprimand for not having provided his full quota of men. Natasha, on the other hand, having put on her best gown, was in the highest spirits. 
They can't help liking me, she thought. Everybody always has liked me, and I am so willing to do anything they wish, so ready to be fond of him for, for being his father, and of her for being his sister, and there is no reason for them not to like me. They drove up to the gloomy old house on the Vozdivzhenka and entered the vestibule. Well, the Lord have mercy on us, said the Count, half in jest, half in earnest. But Natasha noticed that her father was flurried on entering the anteroom and inquired timidly and softly whether the prince and princess were at home. When they had been announced, a perturbation was noticeable among the servants. The footman who had gone to announce them was stopped by another in the large hall, and they whispered to one another. Then a maid servant ran into the hall and hurriedly said something, mentioning the princess. <clears throat> At last an old, cross-looking footman came and announced to the Rostovs that the prince was not receiving, but that the princess begged them to walk up. The first person who came to meet the visitors was Mademoiselle Boreen. She greeted the father and daughter with special politeness and showed them to the princess's room. The princess, looking excited and nervous, her face flushed in patches, ran in to meet the visitors, treading heavily and vainly trying to appear cordial and at ease. From the first glance, Princess Mary did not like Natasha. She thought her too fashionably dressed, frivolously gay and vain. She did not at all realise that before having seen her future sister-in-law she was prejudiced against her by involuntary envy of her beauty, youth and happiness, as well as by jealousy of her brother's love for her. Apart from this insuperable antipathy to her, Princess Mary was agitated just then because on the Rostovs being announced, the old prince had shouted that he did not wish to see them, that Princess Mary might do so if she chose, but they were not to be admitted to him. She had decided to receive them, but feared lest the prince might, at any moment, indulge in some freak, as seemed much upset by the Rostov's visit. There, my dear princess, I have brought you my songstress, said the Count, bowing and looking round uneasily, as if afraid the old prince might hear. I am so glad you should get to know one another. Very sorry the prince is still ailing. And after a few more commonplace remarks, he rose. If you'll allow me to leave my Natasha in your hands for a quarter of an hour, Princess, I'll drive round to see Anna Semenovna. It's quite near in the dog square, and then I'll come back for her. The Count had devised this diplomatic ruse, as he afterwards told his daughter, to give the future sister-in-laws an opportunity to talk to one another freely, but another motive was to avoid the danger of encountering the old prince, of whom he was afraid. He did not mention this to his daughter, but Natasha noticed her father's nervousness and anxiety and felt mortified by it. She blushed for him, grew still angrier at having blushed, and looked at the princess with a bold and defiant expression, which said that she was not afraid of anybody. The princess told the Count that she would be delighted and only begged him to stay longer at Anna, Anna Semenovna's, and he departed. Despite the uneasy glances thrown at her by Princess Mary, who wished to have a tete-a-tete -tete with Natasha, Mademoiselle Borin remained in the room and persistently talked about Moscow amusements and theatres. Natasha felt offended by the hesitation she had noticed in the anteroom, by her father's nervousness, and by the unnatural, unnatural manner of the princess, who she thought was making a favour of receiving her. And so everything displeased her. She did not like Princess Mary, whom she thought very plain, affected and dry, 
Natasha suddenly shrank into herself and involuntarily assumed an offhand air which alienated Princess Mary still more. After five minutes of irksome, constrained conversation, they heard the sound of slippered feet rapidly approaching. Princess Mary looked frightened. The door opened and the old prince in a dressing gown and a white nightcap came in. Oh, madam, he began. Madam, Countess, Countess Rostover, if I'm not mistaken, I beg you to excuse me. To excuse me, I don't know, madam. God is my witness. I did not know you had honoured us with a visit, and I came in such a costume only to see my daughter. I beg you to excuse me. God is my witness. I didn't know, he repeated, stressing the word God, so unnaturally and so unpleasantly that Princess Mary stood with downcast eyes, not daring to look either at her father or at Natasha. Nor did the latter, having risen and curtsied, know what to do. Mademoiselle Boreen alone smiled agreeably. I beg you to excuse me, excuse me, God is my witness, I did not know, muttered the old man, and after looking Natasha over from head to foot, he went out. Mademoiselle Boreen was the first to recover herself after this apparition, and began speaking about the prince's indisposition. Natasha and Princess Mary looked at one another in silence, and then, and the longer they did so, without saying what they wanted to say, the greater grew their antipathy to one another. When the Count returned, Natasha was impolitely pleased and hastened to get away. At that moment, she hated this stiff elderly princess, who could place her in such an embarrassing position, and had spent half an hour with her without once mentioning Prince André. I couldn't begin talking about him in the presence of that Frenchwoman, thought Natasha. The same thought was meanwhile tormenting Princess Mary. She knew what she ought to have said to Natasha, but she had been unable to say it because of Mademoiselle Boreen was in the way and because, without knowing why, she felt it very difficult to speak of the marriage. When the Count was already leaving the room, Princess Mary went up hurriedly to Natasha, took her by the hand, and said with a deep sigh, Wait, I must... Uh... Natasha glanced at her, ironically, without knowing why. Dear Natalie, said Princess Mary, I want you to know what I am glad my, that I am glad my brother has found happiness. She paused, feeling that she was not telling the truth. Natasha noticed this and guessed its reason. "'I think, Princess, it is not convenient to speak of that now,' she said with external dignity and coldness, though she felt the tears choking her. "'What have I said and what have I done?' thought she, as soon as she was out of the room. They waited a long time for Natasha to come to dinner that day. She sat in her room crying like a child, blowing her nose and sobbing. Sonia stood beside her, kissing her hair. "'Natasha, what is it about?' she asked." Why do they? Ma what do they matter to you? It will all pass, Natasha. But if you only knew how offensive it was, as if I... Don't talk about it, Natasha. It wasn't your fault, so why should you mind? Kiss me, said Sonia. Natasha raised her head and, kissing her friend on the lips, pressed her wet face against her. I can't tell you. I don't know. No one's to blame, said Natasha. It's my fault. But it all hurts terribly. Oh, why doesn't he come? She came in to dinner with red eyes, Maya Dmitrievna, who knew how the prince had received the Rostovs, pretended not to notice how upset Natasha was, and jested resolutely and loudly at the table with the Count and the other guests. Alright, there we go, there's another chapter for you, poor Natasha. Oh, not fun, not fun for her. Have your say over at the subreddit. Thank you for listening and I will see you tomorrow.